Good morning. Our second reading is taken from 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 to 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Good morning, everyone. Well, for my birthday, can you guess what my wife bought me? Binoculars and an RSBPB book of British birds. This is my new lockdown hobby, bird watching. And there are lots of things I uh, have to say about bird watching, but there's one important thing to share with you now, and it's this that there's the there's a difference between identifying a bird, being able to identify a robin or a sparrow, and appreciating the beauty of a bird. So for example, if you go to uh, St Mary's Lighthouse near Whitley Bay, you'll probably be able to see and identify a bird called a goldcrest. It's the smallest bird in the UK. It weighs only 5.5 grams. And there are lots of uh, goldcrest birds around the island and nearby in the bushes. But there's a real difference between identifying a gold crest and appreciating the beauty of a gold crest with the remarkable orangey-yellow stripe it has down the centre of its head. Well, in the same way, there's a difference between identifying the main player in the Christmas narrative and appreciating the full wonder of his incarnation. And what we're doing in this mini-series on the Incarnation is to go deeper and to reflect more fully on the Incarnation of Jesus. If you like, we're going to go God-watching this morning. We're not simply going to rush over familiar ground, we're going to go slower, we're going to meditate and appreciate God the Father's love in sending God the Son to earth to die for us. So before we go any further, let's pray for God's help as we do this. Father God, please help us to savour the wonderful truth of the incarnation of your Son, whom you sent to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this morning I have five very short points. They are very short, don't worry. And the first point is this, the source of love, the source of love. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. So here John is not talking about romantic love or friendship love or family love. Those are good things, but it's not what he's talking about here. The word John uses is agape, the self-giving love of God, which always gives. And John is underlining that God is the ultimate source of this agape love. 
verse 7, he says, love is from God. Love starts from God and flows out of God. If you like, God is the reservoir of love, which all the rivers of love flow out from. Verse 8, God, God is love, along with the holiness, the majesty, the power, the glory, the generosity, and the compassion of God, are the love of God, is the love of God. Love is in God's character. If you like, it's in his DNA to love. In verse 10, God defines love. It's him who, it's he who shows us what love really is. So God is the ultimate source of love, and that means that we as human beings are not the source of love. We see that in verse 10, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. We haven't loved God. The only initiative we've taken towards God is to turn away from him, to go in the opposite direction. We don't love God. We don't give thanks to him. We don't honour him. But amazingly, God, the source of all love, has loved us. This agape, self-giving love of God flows out from the reservoir of God's love to people like you and I who just don't deserve it. So that's the source of love. Love comes from God, not from us. My second point is the sending of love. The sending of love. Look at 1 John 4 verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. And that means this is how God showed his love among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, we often express our love for one another by sending things. So over the Christmas period, uh, I, I'm sure, I hope, we sent Christmas greetings or Christmas cards, Christmas text messages, Christmas uh, presents to each other. Love is often expressed in sending gifts. And that's what God did for us on a much bigger scale. Verse 9, he sent his only son into the world. God sent his son down to earth as one of us. Amazingly, he sent him as a zygote to develop in Mary's womb for nine months and then to be born in Bethlehem. And this gift of love from the Father, Jesus, God the Son, as he grew up and taught and healed and died on the cross and rose again, was witnessed by the apostles. As John writes later, uh, writes earlier in his letter, in chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which is with the Father and was made manifest to us. So later in 1 John chapter 4 verse 9, part of our passage for today, when John says that the love of God was made manifest among us, us is specifically referring to the apostles, those who saw, heard and touched Jesus including the Apostle John. 
And that means that when John writes to us about Jesus, we should listen because he knows what he's writing about because he was with the son who was sent by the father. He saw him, he touched him, he heard him. That's the sending of love. God the Father sent his son to us. My third point is the sacrifice of love. The sacrifice of love. Why did Jesus come to earth? He came to earth to die. He came to earth to die on the cross. The purpose of the incarnation was the crucifixion. And more specifically, propitiation. Look at 1 John 4 verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, the word propitiation itself means the diversion of God the Father's wrath against our sin away from us and onto Jesus. Propitiation tells us that our sin is serious, that God is rightly angry, that there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it. Only God can deal with the problem. And God has dealt with the problem. Because in verse 10, we see God the Father loved us and sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. Think for a moment of a lightning conductor on a roof. So the bolt of lightning comes down and the lightning conductor diverts the bolt of lightning away from the satellite dish, whatever else on the house, TV aerial, diverts the lightning onto itself and absorbs the full energy of the electricity, the high, takes the high voltage shock itself. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, he was like our lightning conductor, redirecting the just anger of his father away from us and onto himself in order to save us. And propitiation is great news for the Christian believer. God the Father is no longer angry with us for our sin. God is not angry with you for your sin. We are no longer condemned. We don't need to fear his judgment. We're not going to go to hell. If you're just exploring the Christian faith and you're listening in this evening, well, take this seriously. God is angry with your sin. And there's nothing you can do about it. There is nothing you can do about it. But God has done something about it. God the Father sent Jesus Christ to earth to die on the cross, to be a propitiation for your sins, to turn his own anger away from you onto his son. So turn to Jesus. And if you need more time to think about the Christian faith, make it an absolute priority in 2021 to get to grips with Jesus. The sacrifice of love. The son died for our sin to take away the father's anger from us. My fourth point is the security of love. The security of love. Look at 1 John 4 verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. The father sent the son into the world to die on the cross, to turn away his rightful anger against our sin and 
and to give us life. And the life that John has in mind when he's writing this is eternal life. In chapter 1, verse 2, John writes of, of the life that was made manifest, um, as we have, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. Jesus, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And John is writing this whole letter to reassure real believers that they already have eternal life. They really do. They can rejoice and be comforted in that and find assurance. In 1 John 5 verse 13, he writes, I, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you will have eternal life. Do you notice that? For believers in Jesus, eternal life starts now. It's not something that is sort of waiting for us after we die or when Jesus comes back. No, the very moment we start relating to Jesus as our Lord and God, we have eternal life. We are united to Jesus. We have already begun to live forever with Jesus from the moment we put our faith in him. And this is exactly what Jesus himself said in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 24. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life has, present tense, already has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life, has already passed from death to life. What a wonderful thing to already have eternal life through trusting in Jesus. We are now, from now on, with Jesus forever, if we have trusted him. That's the wonderful security of love. The Son gives eternal life to us. And my final point is the service of love, the service of love. Look at 1 John 4 verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Then jump to verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, it follows, doesn't it, that if God is the source of love, the reservoir of agape love, if you will, and we are connected to God, we are like the rivers flowing out, then that agape love should indeed flow out from us to others, to water the valleys, if you like. In 1 John, the focus is particularly on loving other Christians. Now, that doesn't mean we should just love other Christians. Christians are called to love all people. We're called to love our enemies. But we are to love especially members of the church family. And John insists that our love must be practical. In 1 John 3, verses 16 to 18, he writes these words. By this we know love, that he, talking about Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I wonder what you think is the greatest felt need in the church family at the moment. Could it be loneliness, perhaps? 
I wonder if it is. And I think loving each other in 2021 will mean more COVID walks and talks with other Christians or COVID phone calls if you're isolating or staying at home. It will mean working hard to reinvest in relationships and friendships which have probably cooled during the lockdown period. And also working hard to forge new ones, making that effort too. Another great felt need for some of us in 2021 will be financial difficulty. As the economic impact of lockdown hits home, more of our church family may lose jobs or have to go part-time. And if God has given you more than you need financially, are you willing to help out brothers and sisters financially? Brothers and sisters, now let's not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Let us love one another as God has loved us. And that kind of loving service that Christians do for one another is not actually introspective. It can have a dramatic effect on the watching world. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Think of the Black Eyed Peas song, Where is the Love? I came on the radio again last week and I found myself singing along uh, as well as I can do. And I'm not going to do the kind of rapper voice, but here are the lyrics. Yo, whatever happened to the values of humanity? Whatever happened to the fairness and equality? Instead of spreading love, we're spreading animosity, lack of understanding, leading us away from unity. Then later on in that song, the famous refrain, where is the love? Where is the love? Where is the love? Where is the love? And people around us in our broken society in the UK are asking in the cold communities they live in, in the fractured family situations many of them face, where is the love? Where is the love? Where is the love in this world? May we love each other so much that they point to us as a church family and say, there is the love. There is the love. And may we then point them to the cross of Christ and say, there, there is the love. Let's pray. Father God, please give us power to grasp and know the full extent of your love for us, shown in sending Jesus to die as the propitiation for our sins to give us eternal life. Please may our love for one another increase and overflow, and may this attract the watching world to Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.